and then have a word of prayer, if you don't mind. <clears throat> oh, gracious Father, Lord, we're coming to you this morning to invite you here, Father, for this Sunday school. Lord, you know that I've been reading your word and, and studying for this, Father, and I have some notes here, but Lord, without you, it would just be some some ideas of mine, but Lord, I don't I don't believe that's what our purpose is here, Father, that you would our purposes and our desires that you would come down and you would speak through me and it wouldn't just simply be something that I thought of, but it would be something that you would have the people here and that they could be they could be edified by it. So we invite you here, Father, and ask you would bless the word as we read it. And as we approach your throne, Lord, that you would bless the reading of the words that we're about to receive. And Father, we could study the words, but Lord, without a conversation with the author, we'll never truly understand it. So Father, we ask that you would come down and reveal the word to us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Um, I want to turn to the book of Acts chapter 2. Um, real familiar reading to any of you, I would hope. Um, Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. And it says, I'll, I'll give you a second. Um, it says, <clears throat> Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Um, and we'll... Uh, have you be seated there. Um, so I have a, as a topic, um, as a title, the word, the, just the word pride. Um, and it's a fairly, um, I, I've got a lot of material here, so I'm going to try to go as quickly as I possibly can. I don't want to spend too much time. So if I am just simply referring to certain scriptures or quotes or something like that, trust assured that I have actual <laughs> scriptures and quotes. Um, but I'm probably not going to read a lot just to keep things moving. Um, but I, I wanted to start and just sort of, I have sort of three parts here, three, three sections to what I want to do. Um, because I have a, something I want to I get to, um, ultimately. And the, the first portion um, is just sort of maybe a summary of what the message of the hour is for our day. Um, just briefly, and if I could just put it in a, in a few words, I would say that the message of the hour is that God has come again to the earth in human form, and he looks like us, right? That this is, this is the, you know, we are the, the, the second coming of Christ, so to speak. You know, and to just to sort of make a quick illustration here, um, you know, you know that when Christ is on the River Jordan, the, the Holy Ghost descends upon him when he's baptized by John, and the Holy Ghost descends upon him, and that what was significant was that the Holy Ghost f descends on him and it remains with him, 
right? The Holy Ghost can descend on somebody, but it won't remain with them because it, it can't if they're not saved by the blood of the Lamb, right? There's no atonement there. They're a sinful creature, and the Holy Ghost can't associate with sin. So it can, it can descend, but it can't remain on somebody. But with Christ, he is a perfect person. It can descend and remain and be with him always, right? Because he is the perfect one. But, um, you know, we, and we can see that, uh, so, you know, with Christ, so the Holy Ghost sins on Christ. He goes through his ministry. He dies and creates an atonement. And so when the, the, the fire falls on the day of Pentecost, and you have the people in the upper room, and the, and the Holy Ghost descends up upon them in, in licks of fire. That's the same Holy Ghost that was on Christ on them again, right? It's, it's the, same, the same thing. It's literally Christ that walked the shores of Galilee is now living through the, those in the upper room. And you, can, you know that it, that it was really Christ living through them because it creates a different kind of lifestyle, Right. Um, I, I made a point to read not just Acts chapter two and verse 38, but to read down when it talks about the people that were converted on that day. It, sh it shows that they it's because it said it re they remained with the apostles doctrine and their fellowship because there was a there was a change in their lifestyle. Yeah. Right. It wasn't just something that just happened to them. And then they had a good time and they jumped and shouted and, and praised the Lord and then went about their day and nothing changed. Right. Their lifestyle, um, and um, so you you see this this progression of the Holy Ghost descending on people, and and it and the ministry of the Son of Man moving progressively through through the ages, and so the message of our day is that the same Holy Spirit, the same power of God that was on them in the Book of Acts, is on us again. Now, one thing I there's a, I read a quote a while back um, where Brother Branham said, and it shocked me when I read this because I just I couldn't be, hardly believe he said it. Um, he said, on the day of Pentecost, when they preached the word to the 3,000 people, that that never got the devil out of bed, that he just didn't care. But when they met the man at the gate beautiful and told him to rise up and walk, that got his attention, right? Why? Because there was a... People can have a, a camp meeting. People can have a revival. People can jump and shout and even speak in tongues and do all kinds of things under the spirit of God, and it means nothing in the long run. It means absolutely nothing. Peter can come out the upper room, you know, drunk in the spirit, and the next, if there was no real change in his heart, the next day he's going to be back to what he was doing the day before. Right? There's not going to be any difference. But when he goes to the gate beautiful and says, rise up and walk, well, the, God does not give grant people the ability to perform the greater works unless there's a character of Christ there already, right? It requires a character of Christ to perform the works of Christ. And so if he's performing the works of Christ, it shows us a change in his character, and that gets the devil's attention, okay? So we know, so here in, in this day, when we see people, miracles and signs and wonders happening and, and vindicating a ministry, what it's showing is that there's a character of Christ there. Okay. Um, now, uh, let's see, skip some of this stuff. Um, so we know the same Holy Ghost that was on Christ, same Holy Ghost that's on Peter and John, the same Holy Ghost that's on William Branham, 
right? And it's the same Holy Ghost that's on us, right? It's not, you know, so oftentimes people want to say, you know, put the Holy Ghost off of, you know, like back on something that happened in the book of Acts, and that's fine, and it's true. You know, and in Brother Branham's day, it was, he was, you know, he kind of referred to this as, you know, people saying, well, the days of miracles are past. People were fine to say that there were, the Spirit of God was moving and operating on people in, you know, 2,000 years ago. But when in, the, in 1965, or, you know, in the 1960s, when Brother Branham's on the scene and he's doing these things, people say, oh, well, it's not for us now. And he's saying, no, the Spirit of God has come again. The, 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 you know, the same Holy Ghost that was there is here now. Well, he, Brother Branham's now off the scene, and so many times we as Christians will be like, well, that was for Brother Branham and Brother Branham's day and what he was doing then, but at what point are you saying the days of miracles are past without actually saying the days of miracles are past, without using those words, right? If, you're, if your idea is that God could move on Brother Branham, but he can't move in your life, then that's effectively what you're doing, right? So that's, that's what we... You know, our, 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 the desire of the real bride of Christ, of the true Christian, is to identify what God's doing now and say, no, that, and put your name there and say, so be it to me. Yeah. Right? And to not just put it off on somebody else. Um, because we see that there's a, a, a true spirit of God moving. Well, every time, so uh, moving on to my next little portion here, I want to kind of change gears. Every time the, there's a move of God and a true spirit of God, there's a counterfeit, yeah. right? Um, the devil is always going to counterfeit the genuine article, yeah. right? And he's, he's going to make it look similar because, you know, if I'm going to counterfeit a $100 bill, I'm not going to get a piece of paper, you know, notebook paper and with a crayon and try to write $100 Amen. on it. That's not going to fool anybody, but I'm going to take a lot of time and care to make my $100 bill look as close and identical to the real genuine article as possible, yeah. right? It, has, it looks the same. It might feel the same. It smells the same. You can't tell the difference, but it doesn't actually have any value, right? right? It doesn't actually have any power in it. The power of money is to buy things. But if you have a, a phony $100 bill, there's no power in it because you can't actually buy something with it. You can trick somebody into thinking it's real, but at the heart of it, it's a lie. And so every time, and you know, counterfeiters, when, they, when you make a bunch of counterfeit money, what they'll do is they'll go get a bunch of genuine money and mix it all in with the genuine money and disperse it together because then you don't know what's real and what's fake, right? So the devil, when he produces his counterfeit, he's going to put it in with the genuine article every time, right? Jesus and Judas walk together. You know, um, if you look at... Um, if you could put up, pull up on the screen, brother, um, John uh, chapter 6 and verse 66. Um, you know, it, it's so, we, we know that, it, Brother Branham said that the, that the mark of the, to accept, to accept the mark of the beast, or how do you say this? He said, to reject the Holy Ghost is to accept the mark of the beast, okay? That, that the Antichrist spirit is simply that which would cause you to reject the Holy Spirit. Um, so in verse 66, um, I guess I could, there we go. So it says from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Right. I find it 
interesting. I don't know. One of the, the ministers yesterday at the ministers meeting brought this up. Here it is. John 666 is the people just walking away from Christ. Right. right? And if you keep reading further on in the chapter, it says that the only people who stayed with him was the 12. Well, one of the 12 was Judas. Right? So even when people were walking away, even after there was a great falling away, there was still three kinds of believers in that group. Amen. Right? There will be three kinds of believers in every group. And so Judas, who is literally the Antichrist, walking with Christ, indistinguishable to everyone in the group, up until the very moment of manifestation. Yeah. Right? Up until the very moment when Christ is coming to his full manifestation and Judas comes to his full manifestation at the same time. Amen. Right? Goodness gracious, my time goes fast. Um, so, um, so, you know, the, and the original type of this is Cain and Abel, right? It's the, it's the first one, right? It, here's you have the seed of God through Adam as Abel, and here you have the serpent seed as Cain, both together as brothers, yeah. right? Shared genetics through Eve. Amen. And they're, yet one is, has a particular character and the other one has a very different character, right? They have two different natures because it's showing their origin and their lineage. Amen. Now, with, you know, I want to just focus a little bit on Cain here because you know, if you read in Genesis chapter 4, um, when Cain, they're both religious people, right? They're both bringing sacrifices. They're both bringing a worship to God. They're both sanctified, so to speak. Neither one of them is living horrible, right? It doesn't say that they're, you know, one's an awful person and one's, a, you know, a saint. Matter of fact, Abel was still born in sin and shaped in iniquity, Right? He was still a fallen man. Otherwise, he wouldn't have required a sacrifice. Amen. Right? Abel still required a sacrifice. He still had faults and failures. You know, Cain, when he's bringing his sacrifice, I mean, you know, we've, I'm sure we've all heard this said many times, but it's beautiful. It's, yeah. it's gorgeous. It's, not, it's something to be desired. From the outside appearance, you would say that this bloody, disgusting, you know, bloody mess, heart-rending thing of Abel hacking a poor lamb's throat out with a rock, nobody wants to see that, right? right? Nobody wants that. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a an oddity. It's, it's, you know, you don't even want to be near it, you know? But Cain, he's got this beautiful thing. He's got flowers, and I'm sure it smelled nice. He's burning incense. It's, it's, it's great. You know, it's beautiful. Everyone wants to be part of that, but it's wrong. It's not what God required. And so the moment where Cain failed, the moment where Cain was done, it was, it was over. He showed who he was, was not when he brought the wrong sacrifice. Amen. It was when the word of God came to him and told him where he was wrong. And he said, I'm not going to change. I refuse to do different when I know better. When the word of God for my day is presented to me and I say, no, I will not do it. That's the moment that the serpent seed in Cain showed, it, showed what it was. Yeah. Right? And so he goes and kills his brother. 
And um, if you could uh, pull up um, Genesis 4.17. You know, reading this as a kid, I always, you know, just you imagine it in your head, my imagining was always like, well, Cain goes and kills his brother, and then from that day forward, he's just an absolute heathen. Has completely doesn't even have a facade of religion anymore. Well, the Bible doesn't actually say that. He very well might have kept on bringing sacrifices. From the outside appearance, nobody really, you might not have known there was a difference. And notice here, it says, And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch. Wait, Enoch? Now, that's not the same Enoch that walked with God and was not, right? Because you can go and read in the, in the next chapter in, in Genesis 5, you can see his lineage, and it's, you know, his father wasn't Cain. But Cain was aware of the message of the hour enough to identify himself with the raptured church. What? He, like, he, he, and this is after he kills his brother. He still was willing to identify himself with the message of the hour even after he, he completely turns his back on God, completely rejected the message, and yet he's still identified with it. It's not, it's not some, you know, people want to act like serpent, the spirit of the Antichrist is some big church down the road that is preaching a Trinitarian doctrine, and that might be true. But somebody who rejects the small things that the message of the hour instructed us to do is just as guilty as somebody who rejected the big things. Yeah. Okay? It's not, it's not a, you know, we, we heard this recently. He who's guilty of the least is guilty of the greatest. Yeah. You, it's not just, you know, you're not going to just, uh, you know, it, the calling is to make every single piece of our life line up to the message of the hour every single piece um as you know i just want to i got a few minutes left here um so i want to i want to go to esther chapter two um and uh I'll, i'll turn there um there's a So this is the in Esther chapter two, and and we can go to um, uh, verse seven. It says, um, and he brought up Hadessa, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother, and the maid was fair and beautiful, whom Mordecai, when her father and mother were dead, took for his own daughter. So it came to pass when the king's commandment. And his decree was heard, and when many maidens were gathered together unto Shushan the palace, to the custody of Haggai, that Esther was brought also unto the king's house to the custody of Haggai, keeper of the women. Now, for the um, sake of having five minutes left, um, we'll just, I'm, I'm just going to kind of tell the story for a minute. So you, here you have Esther, it, you know, the king gets rid of Vashti because Vashti, and we could spend a lot of time on this, Vashti was Seven messengers came to Vashti to call her out from the house of the women, and she refused the message at the hand of seven messengers. Okay? 
the king puts her away for refusal to, to conform to his message. Okay? He's now looking for a new bride to replace that. So he goes to all the, the, around the kingdom, sends messengers out, gathers all these women to the, to the palace to have this, um, you know, he's going he's gonna, to, I mean, uh, I was thinking about this this, this morning. It, I mean, it's it kind of, it's almost like a, a reality TV show. Um, but, you know, not to make, a, make, a, make light of it, but that's, I mean, it's, it's a bunch of women effectively fighting over one guy. And they're all trying to appease this guy. And, you know, we don't want to get too bogged down on the, on the natural side of it because we recognize that there's a spiritual type here of who we are and what we're doing in this day, right? There's a, there is a, um, you know, when I, you know, we talk about the, the sign of the serpent seed, what the serpent seed would manifest is that a, a rejection of the word of the hour when it's presented to it, Right? Well, if that's the false seed, then the true seed is that which pleases the Father always, right? That which desires to please the Father in every opportunity, every time the word comes to that true seed, it rejects its own desire and clings to what it knows will please the Father. Well, if that's the case, then it immediately begs the question, how do we know what pleases the Father, right? We have to know, and you know, we can we can we have scripture and we can read that, but on a certain level, there's a lot of interpretation, there's a lot of bickering and squabbling about that. But ultimately, we know that God always sends his message at the hand of a prophet. He has to. Otherwise, you don't have there's there's confusion. He always sends one prophet for the age, and that is the mouthpiece of God. Right? I mean, if if we don't believe that, then what are we doing in this church in particular? Um, so when Esther comes to the house of the women, here's Haggai, who's the type of, of the prophet, who's here to dress the bride for the king, to help him select the bride. He's not just some guy, right? The king didn't just put anybody in charge of the women. This is the guy who's preparing his future wife. It's not just somebody. And it wasn't just some haphazard thing where, you know, he woke up one day and called up Haggai and said, hey, man, um, I'm kind of lonely. Can you find me a girl? And then that was it. He has a meeting with this guy and gives him some written instructions, says, listen, this is what I'm looking for. I have some very particular requirements. I, you know, I, I, I'm the king. I get to pick whoever I want. I'm going to be picky, you know. And he's going to have, like, Haggai is... Is, has a very particular job to do. And his, his, his loyalty is not to the women either, right? He's a eunuch. There's nothing they can offer him. The king can offer him a lot of money, right? The king's going to reward this guy for, for pr- producing the greatest treasure he could hope for. So there's loyalty to the king. And so he's going to ensure that he's honest and, and, and right down the line with what the king wants. Because if he presents the king with a bunch of women that displease the king, he's not getting paid. Right? You know, it might be, seem simple, but that's just the truth. The, there's a, you know, so when the messenger comes to the age, don't think that he's telling you stuff because he's on some power trip. Or because it's bo- boosting his ego. The message for our day was a, was a loner who wanted to go live in the woods and stay away from crowds. He didn't, there was no desire for him to come to 
have a bunch of people. You know, we, we, we talk about, about um, well, anyways, I'm just going to move on. I'll get, I'll get stuck in that. Um, so anyways, the, I, so here you have Haggai who's instructing the people, these women, how to live. Very specific instructions. Yeah. And it's not just an opinion. Yeah. It's not just his opinion. Yeah. He's had a very particular conversation with the king on what the king is looking for. And it's not just, he's not making an educated guess. Right? There's, so when the women are, are under his instruction, it really matters how they treat that chamberlain and how they view his instructions. Right? It's not haphazard. And every detail mattered. And when it came time, because every woman was going to go have an experience, they were going to go meet the king. And every one of them would have had an experience with that king. They would have, they, and this is, the, this is a key point. Notice they all received the same message under their messenger. This wasn't just any group of women. It was all under the same messenger. Okay? So don't put this out on the church down the road. We are all under Haggai. They all received the same sanctification process. They weren't a bunch of people going around, you know, living any old way, drinking, smoking, carrying on. They all had a measure of sanctification. Okay? But the difference between the women who went into the king and had a sensation with the king and then left and never spoke to him again, and the one in which the king remained, Esther remained with the king. It didn't, wasn't just a passing thing. It wasn't just a camp meeting. It wasn't just they had a good time at the, at the camp meeting and then went out from the king and never saw him again, right? Was the one who took very deadly serious what, the, what Haggai instructed them to do. There was no, there, Esther took very particular care to only do what Haggai instructed her to do. She wasn't doing what her own desire was. She didn't look at her own pride and desire and be like Cain and say, I'm, that doesn't make me feel good and I'm just going to disregard this because it's, you know, no. It, the king took this very seriously because if you disregard, because notice what the king is trying to replace somebody who rejected the message at the messenger's hand. If you, can't, if you can't respect the message from the messenger, how are you going to expect, respect the king? Simple as. The, 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 um, and so we can get very particular about this. There's a lot of times Brother Branham says things that will scald us. And the, the difference is, do you accept what he said and say, that's the truth and I'm going to live by it even if it makes my flesh uncomfortable? Or are you just going to say, that's just your opinion and I think I know how to please the king better than you do? That's, I mean, that's the long and short of it. And, you know, I can go down, a, I, I'd prepared, I'm kind of out of time, so I'll, I'll just make a few passing comments. I can read a whole lot of quotes that'll scald every single person in here. And I don't, like, we can, we can read quotes about women cutting hair and dressing a certain kind of way, and a lot of preachers do that, and that's fine, that's all the word of God. We can also read a bunch of quotes about men and the way they dress and the way they conduct themselves, and that is just as wrong, 
right? You know, we can talk about women cutting hair and rejecting headship. We can also talk about men having a sissified haircut that Brother Brandon called a homosexual spirit. We can also talk about, this is something, if you want a particular quote, um, this is in um, Doors and Door in Flagstaff, Arizona. Brother Branham said that if he, he, he told a story about some, some boys who walked into a, he was in a, I believe a, um, a cafe or something like that. Saw some boys walk in with a haircut like the Beatles, yeah. right? You know, bangs down on their face. He said that if there was a businessman who would hire them, they weren't close enough to the cross yet. Yeah. Now that's close to home. Right? It's not even just how you conduct yourself, but who you're willing to associate with and who you're willing to hire in your business. That's hard. Right? But now the question is, what do you do with that? What are you willing to do with that? Are you willing to say, well, that's just your opinion? Or are you willing to say, no, Lord, I'm sorry, and, and change your ways? Anyways, we're out of time. <laughs> Um, thank you for putting up with me, and we'll have a word of prayer. Amen. Let's all stand. Lord, Father, um, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, we don't want to have a heart that rejects what you have to say, even though it hurts. Father, it's, if we're to be like you, it requires a dying dying to ourselves and so father if there would be anything that we would come in contact with even though it would be harsh lord that we would say that so be it unto us that when the word came to that seraph the the greek woman that lord you called her a dog and she said so be it so lord even if it hurts that the word is always true no matter how bad it hurts and that we'll accept it because we know that it's for our good. And so, Father, maybe that if there had been something to encourage somebody, that, Lord, you know my heart. I, I would never say anything intentionally to hurt anybody. But that you gave me a job to do. So, Lord, we ask that we could conform to that. And that your spirit would come down and be with us through the service, through the remainder of the of the service and into the song service and ultimately into the preaching of the word. And we ask these things in your precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.